And uh, to those who are at home, thank you for bearing with us and thank you for being there. We want to appreciate God for your lives. And um, these are, as I've said over the last few Sundays, these are very challenging times uh, for our world. But um, I believe that um, if people survived world wars and lived to tell the story later on, and uh, despite all the bombs and everything that was thrown at them, I want to believe that God will help us to defeat this invisible enemy completely in Jesus' name. We are truly grateful to God for um, all that he has been doing with us and in us and through us. And uh, I want you to know that right where you are at home, we pray for you. Uh, some of you, as I've said, I have not seen you for some time, but God is my witness. You are always on my heart. And um, some of you occasionally will get text messages from me because I'm prompted to just contact you again. Uh, it's not because I just want to invade your space. I feel led to contact some of you from time to time. Some of you have not heard from me. It's not because I've forgotten you. I pray for you. God sees my heart. I pray for you. Pray for your circumstances. Pray for your situations. And I know God is answering our prayers. Let's continue to pray for one another. And let's continue to trust God as he wants to take us through these seasons in Jesus' name. I want to um, say that last week God helped us to start our series of supernatural, on supernatural love overflow. And um, this series commenced, as you can see in the banner, uh, with uh, the theme on enjoying God's abundant love, or God. It's just simply referred to as God in the banner. And um, we also had, uh, we, 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 I said, the, the water, the blue waters signify the abundance of the oceans where you can look at an ocean body and many times your physical eyes cannot comprehend the end of it. This is what these waters remind me of. And this is exactly how the love of God is. It's limitless. You cannot imagine the extent the Bible says, greater love has no man than this. So it is impossible to exceed God's love. And so God's abundant love is the agape love of God that is limitless, that is unconditional, and uh, is, we have said it yes, last Sunday, that it is unconditional at the point of release. It is unconditional. He gives it to us without us doing anything. But it becomes conditional in the, at the point of delivery, where we are meant to take hold of, of the love. And that works in every kind of love relationship, whether it is this God's agape love, or the filial love, or sturgy love, or our eros love that exists between couples. These are relationships that require us to give love, and at the same time to receive it in order for it to be able to, to work for us. So today, our theme is on enjoying the power of spousal love. That's why we have highlighted spouse as the second topic. Next week, we will look at uh, love, bread, brotherly love or love amongst the brethren. And then we will look at love for everyone, love for neighbors as we are commanded in, the, uh, in two weeks' time. Hallelujah. So this is the series, and I just want us to know spousal love as we know, is between, in, it, it, it refers much more to a relationship between a man and his wife. And most of the time when we talk about this, we just go straight into it. But I just want to set some context here today. You see, whether we're talking about sturgy love, spousal love, 
or, we're, or eros love as it's also known, or we're talking about filial love, I want you all to understand that none of it can actually work effectively the way God intends without agape love. Agape love is the love that drives everything. Now, because God so loved the world, we read that in John 3, 16, yes, last Sunday. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We said that was given as an act of grace. The same way that love action releases to us, let's take care of the child, hallelujah. The same way that love action releases to us the, 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 uh, the gift of Jesus Christ, that is the same way, that is the same way it works even to those who are yet to receive Jesus Christ. I don't know how to describe this. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. Many people say, how about people who don't believe in God, who, don't, who have not accepted Jesus Christ, how, how about them? How do they receive, how, how are they able to run marriages? How are they able to uh, uh, have successful marriages? How are they able to have successful relationships? It is out of God's agape love for mankind. Eros love can happen between any two people because of God's mercy. Eros love can happen between any two people who are committed to say, I want to love you, and they, they, they both decide and enter into that relationship whether they know God or not. Because out of God's grace and out of God's abundant mercies that the love of God for mankind is released, we can enjoy the things that are purely out of grace. The same thing with filial love. Anybody can be born, even in an atheist, marries an atheist, they give birth to a child, they can demonstrate sturgy love with that child because of the blood relationship that they have. And because of God's abundant mercy and abundant grace, he makes it work. So what is the difference for those who have named the name of the Lord? The difference is in John chapter 3 verse 16. He said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. The love of God for mankind is released to all. Titus 2.11, the grace of God for salvation has appeared to all men. But whoever receives him, believes in him, is the person that now enjoys eternal life or the everlasting life. So this means that the believer enjoys a should. Let me say should because it comes by knowledge should enjoy a higher order of the manifestation of the agape that is beyond just the normal realm of grace that is open to everybody else. Because the believer who has received Jesus Christ is now a partaker of the eternal life. He's now a partaker of the words that God has revealed to us that are spirit and they are life. So the wisdom of God should be at work. The wisdom of God that is from above should be at work by reason of us receiving Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.9, he said, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When we receive him into our lives, what we do is that we open up the avenue and the opportunity for us to enjoy God's kind of thinking, God's kind of ways. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But what we do when we receive Jesus Christ is that he should give us the access to the heavenly things. This is why when Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 3.1, he said, therefore set your mind, you who have now received this 
love. You who have now received this Jesus, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For everybody else who are, who are yet to receive it, they are earthly. They are sensual. They do the things that follow normal laws of life and they are able to get away with it and they are able to live life by it. But those who name the name of the Lord should not remain in that realm. So when I see believers who are struggling in their marriage or struggling in their love relationships, particularly now we're talking about marriage, it simply means they are refusing to engage with the wisdom that has been freely given to them. <laughs> James said, if any man lacks this wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God. Why should a believer husband suffer what an unbeliever husband is suffering? Why should a believer wife suffer what an unbeliever wife is suffering or even worse? Because that person is not tapping into the wisdom of God that is readily available. Friends, I want you to know something. The wisdom that is greater, even in our natural world, we tell our sons and our daughters that if they need to do certain things, they should let us know because we believe we have experience, we have some wisdom that we can share with them. We don't undermine their own sense of reasoning. But if you have passed, if I've passed through a place before, if I've gone to a place before, and uh, you are just coming into it, I can tell you this is how it works. Those of you that were in the midweek service uh, in the course of the in the course of the week, either midweek service or, or, or one of the Monday morning, one, one of the early morning prayers, I was sharing with you how my elder brother, late elder brother taught me how to write my own uh, ordinary level exams, what we used to call the West African School Certificate Exam. And how he told me the principles to use, to shoot, to aim at certain grades, and how I did it and it worked for me. Simply because seven years before that time, he went through the same process and he learned from it and he shared his experience with me. How much more God, who reigns from above, whose wisdom is from on high, whose wisdom is unmatchable here on earth. My emphasis to us this morning, friends, is that I don't want you to listen to this message today and just take it as another marriage seminar. I don't want you to take it as something you know about marriage. I want you to know, if, your marriage, if you know more, your marriage will enjoy more. If you know more, your marriage will perform better. Any stress you are seeing today is as a result of some kind of ignorance. No matter it, what it is, no matter how small, no matter how big. Any tension you see in marriage today is a direct product of ignorance. So you and I must be willing to submit to the wisdom of God. And I don't, I'm not here to judge anybody. Your marriage may be one month old, one year old. It may be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've been going by God's grace for 25 years with my wife. And every day I find that it's a school. It's a school. I'm still surprised that I'm still learning certain things. So it's a lifelong school. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a lifelong school. And I don't want to stand here and sound like somebody who is all got it all perfect, all sorted. I, I always, you know, I respect those preachers when I hear them say, you know, they've never had any problem. I really wish I can, I can say the same. <laughs> but I can't. I'll be lying. <laughs> I've had major, major problems, major challenges, things that at times I wonder. The only good thing is I, I learned early enough to understand that when I commit to the love like the love of God, then it is enduring, it is forever. And I'm going to talk about that in a, in a short while. So I want to say to you, let us embrace what God wants to do with us today in understanding that there is power in this spousal love. Now, life is in three key phases. Three key phases. The first phase is our childhood. Somebody say childhood. 
Say childhood. So everybody goes through childhood. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he said, when I was a child. So everybody goes through childhood. Moses was born as a child. The only person that never went through childhood and just appeared as a man was Adam. Everybody else goes through childhood. Everybody else is born as a child. Even Jesus, when he came to this earth, he was born as a child. So there is childhood. And we saw in the life of Jesus that the Bible says, and the child grew. And the child grew because childhood is meant to be a formative stage, a preparatory stage, a stage for allowing you to grow in the concept of the things of life and the things of God. So it's a formative stage of life. Then there is also youthfulness. Somebody say youthfulness. So youthfulness or singleness. That's the second phase of life. This is just like the bridge between your being a child and becoming a full-blown adult who has Absolute responsibility for yourself under God. This is what youthfulness or singleness is. And then the third phase of life, I, I lump many things into it. I said courtship, marital, and parental phase. Because they are all very close to each other. Now, it's, 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 it's relative. Some people have a courtship of less than three months. I wouldn't advise it. But some people do. And they have been married for 13 years. And it worked for them perfectly. Some people had a courtship of five years. Married two years. And after the second year, they decided they are not doing it again. We've seen all kinds of things. So the key thing there is that there should be courtship. Then there should be a marital union. And then there should be a parental phase. Now these three, none of this is cast in stone as to how it manifests and all that. Like I said earlier on. But I want to quickly say, for the childhood stage... These are the things the Holy Spirit was laying on my heart to share with us today, especially as a family. Every child under the sound of my voice, please get them close to your screens and to a system where they can hear me very much. Children, you need to understand that you have only one chance to be a child. I remember just like yesterday when I was seven years old. I remember just like yesterday when I was five years old. Believe me, I can remember a lot of things from my age eight, age nine, age ten. So many. You're not going to be children forever. I want you to know that. And what your parents are doing now in getting you to know the things of God and what you learn in Sunday school and every time Auntie Lola and Auntie Eloho and Auntie Comfort and all those people are talking to you about the things of God. I want you to know that some of the things you are learning now, you will remember for the rest of your lives. Some of the things you hear me say today after 40 years, I am saying from the time I was taught just like you were. So don't take it for granted. Not every child has privilege and access to the things that God is giving you the opportunity to have access to. Many young children your age would wish they could hear these things. Hallelujah. They would wish they hear these things. In Psalms 127 verse 3, the Bible says... That children are a heritage of the Lord. They are a heritage of the Lord. And I want us all to understand this. You are all a heritage of the Lord, young children. You are all God's gift to your fathers, to your mothers. You are all God's gifts. And you are a heritage of the Lord. You are from God. We as parents now are just custodians. We are just taking care of you for God. You all belong to him. So I want you to understand this. 
In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, you must have heard this many times from your teachers. He says, so children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Learn now how to take instructions from mom and dad. Some of the things they will tell you will not be exactly what you would wish to hear. They will not be exactly what you would like to hear. But it is right, the Bible says. And in verse 2, Ephesians 6, 2, he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Never put away the words of papa and mama, because you will need them for the rest of your life. Verse 3 says that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Many young people have had their lives cut short because they didn't listen to papa and mama. Don't join them. If mom and dad are telling you the things that you should do to help you grow and become who God wants you to be in life, listen to them. And very soon, you will be understanding more why they were asking you to do those things. Why they forced you to pray in the morning. Why they got you dressed up and, and, and sat up for church service, whether you, you came to church physically or you, you had to join online. You will understand it later. But take it from me. The word of God says that as long as you continue to honor them, as long as you continue to give respect to them and you believe that they have your best interest at heart, it will be well with you. And I decree that it will be well with all of our children in the name of Jesus. Now, we want to move to very quickly to those who are in the youthful or single stage. Youthfulness or singleness. This is the stage between childhood and marriage, as I said. Now, what happened is when God created the first man in Adam... This man was blessed by God, but the Bible says he was alone. He was all by himself. He was, as one preacher cleverly puts it, he was all in one. God formed him from the dust of the earth and breathed into him. And then the Bible says he became a living being. Now, I will quickly go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And God himself said, it is not good that this man I made, my paraphrase, should be alone should be all in one. I will make a helper comparable to him. Why we know it's all in one is because God did not go back to the dust of the earth to mold another person and breathe into them. God caused him, as we see in verse 18, verse 19. The Bible says that out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast, every other beast, every other thing was formed out of the ground, but not this helper that God wanted to make for this man. And I want you to understand that this your youthfulness or singleness stage is very important for you to understand certain things there. That you need to know what you should be focusing on. As a youth and somebody who is single, you don't need to be thinking like a child anymore because you are no longer a child. And you are not yet a full-blown adult who is taking full responsibilities for yourself. You are still having some guidance. But at the same time, this is the time for you to start to envision. Have a sense of awareness. Don't say, I'm, I'm only 15. I'm too young. Have a sense of awareness of who God wants you to be. At age 15, you can do so many things. I, I, I had a very quick education. And by the time I was 15 and a half, I was already in university. And at age 17, I was already two years into university. And that time taught me to see that even though most of my age mate, most of my classmates were averaging age 19, 20 at that time, but it, it, it made me see that the mind of man is ready for anything at any time. So as young people, I don't want you to waste your, your youthfulness 
And this is your opportunity to prepare yourself for what is coming ahead in terms of your marital life. The Bible says God was creating everything out of the ground, out of the birds of the earth, and brought them to Adam. And whatever Adam called each living thing, each living creature, that was his name. Adam was a very busy person. We can look at this stage of him being alone, all in one. We can look at this stage of him being somebody who was productively using the gifts that God has given him. Obviously, the gift of retentive memory is one. And the ability to recognize things and name them is another. So what I'm trying to say, friends, and our young people, is that this is the time for you to focus on developing your self-awareness. What are the things you are good at? What are the things that God is showing you that you have a potential to become in life? Now, many of us have very big dreams at this stage, and it's very good. As a matter of fact, I would be worried if you told me you had no dream at all. I expect you to dream big. I expect you to dream that you can run this country. I expect you to dream that you can do any business. I expect you to dream that you can be bigger than any business that we have ever seen on the face of the earth today. I like to hear such dreams. And if your parents, if young people around you are having such dreams, do everything you can to pray along with them and encourage them as much. Don't, don't laugh it off. Don't do like Jacob who looked at his son and said, but son, are you saying I'm going to bow to you and your mom and your brothers will bow to you one day? No, don't say that. Don't say that. Say, son, let it be. Let it be. What is your problem in bowing to your son? I don't have a problem with it. I don't know if you do. <laughs> I don't have a problem. I look forward to the day I will have to fill a form to see my own son. I would like it. <laughs> I will put it on social media. <laughs> That I have to fill a form to see my son. And, he, and he's telling them at the gate that, don't you know who is there? Why are you asking him to fill a form? And I will laugh it off. That's what life should be. Not that your son should have a greater, a, a, a lesser accomplishment than you. So as young people, I want you to know that you have every potential ahead of you. You have so much of leverage and don't waste it. Take time to develop good, godly relationships. Take time to develop good, godly relationships. Make sure that you are looking at the right people. Don't form alliance with just anybody because you are in the same class or because you are the same age. Look at the people that you are forming alliances with. Make sure that you are working with them. You are working with the Spirit of God to work with the right people that are going somewhere. It is your choice that you can make today. The Bible says whatever Adam called that creature, that is what it was. And so Adam gave name to all the, verse 20, all the cattle, all the birds of the air, to every beast. He said, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. God will locate you. God will see what you are doing, your efforts, your desire to want to make an impact for the kingdom of God and for humanity. And God will Start to look for the right person to come alongside you, whether you are male or female. But show God that you want to be serious. Show God that you desire to make contributions to humanity. Let me tell you a little secret, young people. Anyone that commits to doing anything whatsoever that will benefit mankind becomes a friend of God. As long as that thing will bring benefit to man. That is why the people who are doing businesses that are helping to deliver health care, that are helping to make life easier for people, that are helping to, 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 to produce things that people can use and live a better quality of life. Even God himself encourages and blesses those things. 
just because it is a commitment to a cause for humanity. Put your heart on the things that God wants to do in and through your life. And I know God will bless you in Jesus' name. I look forward to the time when very shortly we'll be hearing of exploits of young people here. Making waves in their universities, making waves in their different uh, work endeavors, and breaking new grounds. We are in a very, one of the reasons I like and enjoy living in Britain is this is one of the most competitive countries you can ever be on earth. Believe me. Competitive, healthy competition, I mean. It's not a country that you can just rise as a mediocre. You can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You can belong to the crowd, but if you are going to make something here, and I'm talking not fraudulent thing, I'm talking legitimate business and something that will make impact, you've got to be good at your game. And I like that. I like that because that should stimulate something of godliness on your inside. That should stimulate something of a desire to want to make it. Now, not all of you will have straight A's. No, God doesn't have to work with straight A's. Whatever it is, do your best to get the best grace, but I want you to understand that there are gifts and talents in you that are unique only to you. So please, leverage it as much as possible. And as your parents walk in the love that God has put in them even before you were formed, I want you to know that by the grace of God and the wisdom of God, they will be helping you to bring out those things. And it shall be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I will now lead that very gently, very quickly to courtship. When it comes to courtship, everybody must understand that as young people, God expects you not to be committed to an unbeliever. This is very important. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 15, the Bible says that we can do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So let us not start a relationship that we know will not bring a fruit of godliness. He said there is no concord between, there cannot be an accord between Belial and Christ. He said, what can there be the agreement between a believer and a non-believer? So don't do it. Use the time of courtship to locate, wait on God, and locate good godly friends. Start with fellowship. There are three things that are important as you move from courtship to your love life in marriage. Start with fellowship. Make sure that you are worshiping God together. It is the true, it's the first test of what will help you know whether a relationship will lead to godliness or not. A relationship that, that does not want to allow you and encourage you to worship God and fellowship with the saints is one that you have to be, you have to be careful of. And I want you to know that once you move away from courtship, you can now go into thinking about companionship. This is where marriage really kicks in. Companionship is where marriage really sets in. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2 from verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs. Someone say one of his ribs. Say one of his ribs. And closed up the flesh in its place. Hallelujah. That's a very funny story. It's not a true story, but it's funny, so I'll share it with you. I like laughing, you know that. And um, <laughs> he said when God came to Eve, for this thing, this operation, God, sorry, to Adam, for this operation, God asked Adam, said, I want to make a wife for you. I want to make a bride for you. This is not true now, before you say which Bible is he reading. <laughs> but it's funny. He said, uh, 
Oh, right. He said, then God said, give me the specs. What do you want this woman to be? Adam went, you know, she's going to be perfect. Everything I say she will do. She will cook when I want her to cook. She will cook what I want her to cook. She will do all the work in the house and blah, 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 blah. And Adam gave a long list. So God said, hmm. He said, you know what that will cost you? Adam said, no. He said, an arm and a leg. <laughs> I'll have to cut off one of your arms and one of your legs to give you that kind of spec. Adam said, ah, God, this is too serious. <laughs> I will have one hand, one leg. I will like hope. Then Adam thought, he said, what can I get for a rib? And then God looked at him. And then, as we know, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> He said, that is exactly what you get for a rib. Oh, the day I heard that, I had a good laugh. But of course, that is not true. God, God is a master, master maker, master builder. The Bible says, then the rib, verse 22, the rib which the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. He brought her to the man. I want you to know that if you are trusting God for marriage, God knows that person wherever they are. And as you pray, engage with fellowship, engage with the things of God, get lost in the things of God, God will bring that person to you. I say God will lead you to that person in the name of Jesus. When my wife and I met, you have heard my stories many times. I had given up. I tried many people and things were not working the way I liked. So I just gave myself over. I started serving God and forgot about anything called marriage. And God, in his wisdom, took me on a trip I would not have wanted to go in the way that I was invited. In fact, the person who invited me to come and take that coach ride pestered me so much. I said, I have money. I can go in a private car. I don't want to go with all of you guys and blah, blah, blah. He said, no, just come. That is very cheap. All of us will be together. We'll go. And he persuaded me, forced me, basically. I didn't know that that man was forcing me to my destiny. <laughs> So God has his way. God has his way. He is wiser than you think he is. He is wiser than us. And in verse 23, the Bible says, Then God, Adam said, This is now the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. Verse 23, This is now the bone of my bones, the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so companionship began. Remember I said it has to start with fellowship with God and somebody that you would want to spend the rest of your life with, but recognizing that this is them, this is the person. You step out of the realm of fellowship with everybody and move into companionship. You single them out for a committed relationship, still under God. And then we can start to talk about marriage and eros love. You see how I've taken you through the journey of what God expects from us from childhood so that we don't, we just wonder why Eros love doesn't work at times. After all, there was a time it was, we were very passionate together. We wanted to be together and then suddenly it's dry, it's bitter. It's like we don't want to see each other. It's because many of the things that should have happened before we come to this commitment in Eros love or spousal love, we have skipped them or we have not allowed them to work well. Many couples no longer take counseling before they marry. They don't. And it's strange. It's like somebody who just gets into a car and starts driving, thinking that because they've seen other people drive, they can drive as well. It's the same thing. 
Now, I know some people drove like that, especially if you come from some countries like that. They just get in and they just drive. I know. I know it happens. But you see the results on the roads. <laughs> you see the results. By the time you see their car after one month, they have damaged all the lights all the, everywhere. <laughs> because they did not learn how to drive properly. They change lane. Anyhow. They don't even know the difference between the inner lane and outer lane. They use whichever one is convenient. <laughs> Zebra crossing doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I used to joke very well that the first time I went to China and I saw that zebra crossing doesn't mean anything. I was shocked. I thought that with the sophistication of China, that zebra crossing should mean something. I went with a friend. So we wanted to, this was 2010. We wanted to cross the street. And they have big lanes, about eight lanes. Four this side, four that side. You know, they build everything big, big in China. Especially in their urban areas. So we were crossing... And then we saw that the cars were not... I tapped my friend. I said, if you don't run, it's like... <laughs> we were crossing like English people. <laughs> we were crossing majestically like English people. When I saw that the car is not slowing down, I refocused my leg. I said to my friend, I said, if you don't run, you are not likely to leave this place. <laughs> he didn't hear me. He, until he saw me take off, then he followed me. <laughs> When we got to the median, after four lanes, we got to the median. We were breathing heavily, 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 because we had to run at a speed in such a short time. That's the day I know that if you are going to win a race, you need something to prompt you. <laughs> you need something to prompt you. I did 100 meters dash without even thinking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then to cross the other side, you gather your, your breath very well. Then you run again. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. Well, that was 10, 12 years ago. Hopefully, things have improved now. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, we learn how to drive, so we must learn how to be married. Many times I sit with couples, and I say, who counseled you? When, how did you do your counseling? And they say, we didn't really do any counseling. Don't do that. Don't do that. Those of you going into marriage, and if you have never had counseling and you are struggling, please get counseling. You need to formally understand. Marriage is an institution like we read in Ephesians 5.22, that has very distinct roles and distinct, what I call distinct laws. These are laws that are just natural with marriage, whether you are a Christian or not, like I've explained at the beginning. It's only better for you as a Christian because you can pray, you can engage with the wisdom of God to help you. But anybody can operate those laws and work well. You don't have to be a Christian to, 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 to understand what it means to be a submissive wife. No. You don't. You don't have to be a Christian to understand truly what it means to love the, the, your bride. The only thing you cannot know is how Christ loved the church because you need the sense and the wisdom of the spirit to understand that. But to just love your wife, to just want your wife to do well and want the relationship to work, you don't have to be a Christian to do that. That's why some people live at that realm and they still do it well. So how much more? Those of us that should know better. So everybody must understand this. This time of courtship, live a godly, locate a godly friend, study each other, pray, fellowship, plan together, then come into marriage. Come into marriage with this understanding. Friends, what you see is what you get. A lot of people have this notion that there are certain things that will just change after marriage. They have this prayer that this person is a liar, but I'm praying that by the time we go... <laughs> and say, I do, it will just stop lying <laughs> because we went to a church. And these are things, I'm telling you, 
This person is very stingy. When we go out, all our courtship, when we go out, every time we are to pay, he's always doing that. He's always doing that. My, my dear sister, you are marrying a very stingy man. <laughs> you see? Then when they, when they say, can, can you have the check, please? And then they come. He's always doing that. Ah, my, my, my wallet. No. Tell him to bring out his phone. He has an iPhone. That has <laughs> what they call Apple Pay. <laughs> if, he, if he doesn't have one, locate one for him. So when he says, you give him your phone, say, use that one. <laughs> your card is on it. <laughs> That's a stingy man. Stingy man. You're, you're, you're the bride you want to marry. Before you say A, she has said B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I. And one day, you think by coming to the altar, she will just stop doing that. What I'm trying to say, friends, is that we're all work in progress. We expect to improve. But we must understand that you must remain committed to the person you have selected, even if they don't change. In fact, whilst you pray and trust God that you will change and they will change, be ready that in case they don't change, you are still okay. Because this is one of the biggest problems in marriage. They say, I know. Pastor, honestly, I know that this man, he used to, before we say, before we just argue one, he will slap me like that and slap me like that. But I was hoping he would change. No, he will not change. In fact, that demon, that kind of demon used to grow bigger and bigger. Don't joke with it. <laughs> don't joke with it. Take counsel. Am I saying you should not marry such a person? No, no, no. That person needs to be counseled and need to stop it before you marry and a pastor or somebody must judge and assess and take you to a period of testing to check. And then even at the wedding point of commitment, they let him know that there are witnesses because he needs that kind of help. Not every man is like that, but some need that kind of help. What I'm trying to say, friends, is that don't take your life and cast it off and assume that things will just change. Genesis 2.24 is very important. He said, and therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. I want to start to tell you some laws of marriage. This is the first two laws in this verse, which the husband initiates. First law is called the law of departure. The law of departure. I didn't hear this from anywhere. I have been studying this and I formed them myself. I call it the law of departure. The law of departure and the law of joining. The man, the man, the man initiates departure. The woman by default is already departed. Every woman born in this earth is like an Eve. That is just waiting for the Adam to manifest and God give to her, to him. That is the same thing. He said, and when Adam woke up, God gave him. So the woman has already departed. The day she was born, God has already picked her. She's already departed. She may not know it, but she's already departed. But the man has to intentionally depart. Departure means that he starts to take responsibility for himself. So if you are cutting a young man who is always talking about taking advice from papa and mama uh, or elder brother or elder sister before they do something, you need to be cautious because they might not yet have fully departed. Don't imagine that after you marry, they will just depart. You need to make sure that the person is departed already. He said, a man shall leave 
and they shall be joined. Also, the law of joining, what I call the law of joining. This is an intentional work of the man going to say, it is you I want to marry, and the woman accepting it. So the law of departure and the law of joining must be in place. He say a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And then now we can go to Ephesians chapter 5. Earlier on in the service, Pastor Moses read for us Ephesians 5 from verse 22 to 32 as our scripture reading today. And I'm just going to quickly take us through some other laws there. After the law of departure and, uh, and joining has taken place, the next thing is that is required that we find in Ephesians 5.22, the same thing with Colossians 3.18, is wives submit to your own husbands. Wives submit to your own husband. For a marriage to work, a departed man joined to his wife must have a submissive wife. A marriage will struggle when the woman does not come by the law of submission and what I call the law of wisdom. Because you need both to work together. The law of submission and the law of wisdom. Verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, so also as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Verse 24 says, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Somebody say, in everything. In everything. Now, now, this is one of the things that a lot of women have struggled with. And it looks like they are being asked to lose their entire identity and just follow this, this, this human being called a man. <laughs> why, why should they? This, this very verses of scripture, if you read Colossians 3, 18, it's the same thing Paul said. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. The same thing. So he is emphasizing not once. It wasn't because he was speaking to a particular church, church in Ephesus. It was clear for him to repeat it again. Peter came again and said, Why submit to your own husbands? First Peter 3.18. So it is important we understand that submission, where a marriage breaks down, when there has been true departure and there has been true joining initiated by the man, it can still break down if the woman is ref- refusing to submit to this God godly person. But go back to verse 22. The key thing there is to remember it says submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. He did not ask you to submit to another person's husband. He did not ask you to submit to your pastor even though I say that in context because there are instructions given generally that we all follow. But your pastor is not your, is not your husband. Is not the person you should submit to over your godly husband. Now, if you are married to somebody who is yet to know the Lord and you need that counsel to work together to pray, that's a different thing. Your pastor and the church can support. And the Bible also recognizes that, that your prayer can even save the man. Again, Peter talked about that in 1 Peter 3. But the reality is that you have a godly man doing the will of God and wants to guide you in the ways of God. That man is your authority under God. Hallelujah. Many people, again, have made some errors there because of listening to the wrong people. Submit to your own husbands. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, this places a responsibility on husbands to understand that this is a big ask which calls for big responsibility. The Bible says, to whom much 
is given, much is what? Expected. Men, this means that we have to up our game. This means that we have to be prayerful. We can't afford to make mistakes. We can't afford to gamble. We can't afford to do those things that we could just do as singles. We can't afford to take decisions anyhow. You can't afford to buy just anything. You can't afford to invest the family money just anyhow. You can't afford to leave your job anyhow. You can't afford to leave your business anyhow. You can't afford to just do things anyhow because lives are tied to you, your wife and your children. It's a big ask, but it is a simple task when we learn how to follow God. Hallelujah. When you learn how to follow God, every step of the way, he tells you what to do. He tells you what to do. I've taken some risks in my life that I know that if it was not God, it would have been, including what I'm doing now. I'm telling you, you look at it normal. <laughs> it's one of, in fact, this is the biggest risk I've ever taken in my life. I tell you, it looks simple. But there are many things. It can sink a family. It can tear a marriage. It can cause children to go haywire. If you don't know what you are doing, if God is not involved, you must be sure. So men, don't just keep saying, submit to me, submit to me, submit to me. Provide leadership. When leadership is clean and clear and focused, submission is almost automatic. It's automatic. No argument. No argument. Go and check it. No argument. So we men, we must continue to seek God's face, work hard at developing ourselves, making sure that we're providing the leadership that is worthy of submission. Because we can. That's why God said the women should submit under him, to us under him. Hallelujah. Having said that, I want women to always remember that the very first thing that God said about you is that you are help meet. You are help meet, which puts you in a class very, very akin to God. The Holy Spirit is our helper, as you have heard me say many times. So for God to say that you, woman, will be a help to the husband, you are taking on an aspect of the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of that man. So use it well. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, A wise woman builds her house, but the foolish, we will not have foolish people here, in the name of Jesus. The foolish pulls it down with her hands. A wise woman builds her house. Notice he didn't say with her hands. But when it comes to the pulling down, she by herself will use her own hands to pull it down. That means a wise woman can speak right words, right actions, right moves, right questions to build. So every woman under the sound of my voice, I want you to know that you have a power given to you by God that God has not given to anybody else. Use it well. I have seen good godly men brought down by the wickedness of women, selfishness of women, self-centeredness of women. Nobody as a man, no matter their level of anointing and their calling, can excel if they have an ungodly wife. They can't. They can fake it. They can try. They can do things. But it's just a matter of time. It will show. So women, be that one who is the silent partner. That is, nobody may, they may not recognize you. They may not know what you are doing, but God knows. When at those times you stay and you are encouraging your husband, when he's feeling like giving up and you are encouraging him and telling him, bringing out the lion in him, helping him to see the potentials of who he can become under God. 
praying with him, receiving revelations, and supporting him in the things God has called him to do. Now you have your own career. You have your own life. Does that mean you give it all up? Let me tell you how it works. As you are doing that, God now opens doors for you as well. Many women say, ha, he, what is it? Me too, I have to do this. I want to go to school. I want to do this. If you understand how it works, you don't need all that. As you are supporting that godly man, I'm emphasizing godly man in his vision, in his drive, God will now make way for you in those other things. You too will find yourself growing up. You'll find yourself going higher. Hallelujah. It is about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and those other things. Don't be a woman. I have seen some years back, I won't tell you when, where a man was weeping profusely in a church I was, in a church that I, I, I have uh, dealings with. And uh, the man was weeping profusely to me. I said, why? And somebody else was there as well. He said, sir, my wife wants to take me away again. That this will be the third time I feel committed to a church. And my wife is insisting we have to leave. He said, what can I do? He said, go and pray some more. He <laughs> said, sorry, I wish I have one answer to give you. But it's a tough thing. Because you can decide to be manly and say, you know what, this is what God is saying, I'm going to be there. But if she wants to get, she's a wife. <laughs> if she wants to really pull you, she will pull you. A woman has that power. A woman has that power. They know how to make sure a man just agrees <laughs> by force. <laughs> he didn't want to. Like Abraham. Do you think Abraham wanted uh, Ishmael? No. He said, have her. He said, ah, this is not what God, have her. Have her. I want a baby. I want to carry my baby through her. Now. The man said, well, you say, have her. Abraham said, okay, for peace. He didn't know that that is the beginning of all the trouble. <laughs> for peace to reign. When he did it after, the same woman came and said, why? The woman is now, see, see, see what her guy is doing to me. See, she, she's always laughing at me. She's always mocking me. Abraham said, you know, I was just, he said, no, 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 you say you should have told me that way. She didn't do so. <laughs> that was a very funny clip that was shared in the men's network uh, uh, some time back. There was a lady who was talking with, his husband, with her husband about the hair. He's, <laughs> he said to the man, say, look at my hair. It's growing very long. Should I cut it? The man looked and said, cut it. <laughs> the woman said, huh? how can you say I should cut my hair? I don't want to cut my hair. I don't want, he will make me look. He said, okay, don't cut it. <laughs> After some time again, he said, ah. I said it would make me look nicer. If I cut, don't you think there will be trim, will be hair, this and that. The man looked at her again. He said, okay, cut it. <laughs> For more than five minutes, it was, cut it, don't cut it, cut it, don't cut it. So ladies, you know what? We want life to be good for you. We want life to be who, we want you to be who God wants you to be. But you need the wisdom of God. To be that help me, you need to be praying. Ephesians 5.25, we'll go to the next law, the law of love. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Husband, love your wives. This is where it all pinges. When this happens, it becomes almost impossible for a marriage to break. When the love of God, look at Ephesians 5.25, when a husband is loving the wife, 
even as Christ loved the church and gave himself, then it becomes very difficult. Men, this is another area we need to receive the anointing of God. Anointing of God to pray. Um, sorry, that's Ephesians 5.25. So, have I got it? That's it there, that's it, thank you. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. This is a very big secret of marriage. I call it the law of love. This is not Eros love. Eros can form part of it, but this is agape love. Every man, read this verse wherever you are and say it with me this way. Say, husbands, agape your wives just as Christ also agape the church and gave himself for her. Because you see, when you think it is Eros, if she's offending you, Eros doesn't, Eros cannot survive. Eros is only attracted to what is pleasing. <laughs> Eros has no capacity to keep loving <laughs> when a woman is abusing you profusely. Useless man. All your mates, they have built house. They have bought this. You're very useless. All your father, your mother, everyone. Nobody. Eros will just fly. All the Eros inside you, <laughs> it will die. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good. Women never do that to your husband. Never, ever. It's not a good thing. But I'm just telling you practical things. Only agape can rise up and still say, I love you. Somebody clap for agape love. Clap for agape love. <laughs> Only agape love. This is why you must keep going for agape. Keep developing in agape. Thank God for Eros love. Thank God for Eros when he's hunky-dory. Oh, it's like heaven. But when there is tension, you need the backup of agape. You need agape to come through again. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave. This is what I call the law of love. The law of agape love. So when you read Ephesians 5.25, husband love your wife. It's not talking about just loving, uh, you know, like a, a ordinary relationship, sexual love and, and those kind of passionate love. No, 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 no. It's way beyond that. Of course, where there is proper agape and the wisdom of God is at work, that becomes part of it in a sweet environment. Then the law of sanctification. Let's quickly read that. Verse 26. I'm almost closing now. Ephesians 5, 26 to 27. The Bible says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. This is where priesthood takes place. We always say the man is a priest in his house. You are not just a priest because you are a man and, and, and you carry the, the elements of a man. You are a man. You are a priest in your house because you know the mind of God. You seek the mind of God. You know the word of God. You have to rise up because God wants you to use the water of the word to keep sanctifying her just like he is sanctifying us. Every one of us men must understand that this is again that responsibility that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Verse 27 says that he might present her to himself. Sorry. Sorry, bless you. 27 now, 27, thank you. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such things. It starts with agape love. 
agape love. But with the word of God consistently, a man of God must be able to put the family, especially starting with his wife, in the ways of God, in the things of God. Not that she's not anointed, not that she doesn't know those things, but because it is the duty of the man. So people say, but how, how about those of us who have married people before we got born again and this and that? And I always say it's very simple. You pray. Pray. God's intention is for man to lead, and God has never failed. You pray for your husband. Take it. You might be his disciple. You might be the one who brought him to the faith. You might be the one through whom he came to know Christ. But do you know something? The more you pray for him to occupy his role as the proper man that he should be, and you walk with that wisdom in Proverbs 14.1, your wisdom from on high that walks through your life, in encouraging him, in supporting him, you will start to see before you know it, the giant rising, because it is there. It is there. It only happened later than for most other men, but it's there. And God will keep giving you the wisdom in Jesus' name. He said that he might present herself so that she shall be without holy, so that she shall be holy and without blemish. And then I go to the last law I want to talk about for both husband and wife. Verse 28 says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. This is the law of selflessness. This law is also activated in the law of submission by the woman. That's why, you see, it only talked about wives submit once. And every other thing is husband, 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 husband. Because, you see, inside submission is everything. Inside submission, pride is dead. Inside submission, selfishness is gone. Inside submission, foolishness is out. Inside submission, patience is there. Inside submission, everything that a woman should do to make it work is inside submission. That's why every other thing was listed, husband, husband, husband. So selflessness, men, selflessness must come into play every time. Always keep thinking beyond yourself. Verse 29 says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. I don't know why some men will find it very easy to spend so much money on themselves. They can buy one Rolex wristwatch for 5,000 and then they, to give their wives 500 pounds, 550 pounds, it's a, it's a problem. That is selfishness. Selfishness. Your suit is worthless on you if your wife and children are looking like sham. What are you wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing? A proper man will prefer to wear used clothes when their wife and children are appearing much better. I'm not saying you should do that. But a proper man will say, I, I, I prefer that you look more decent. A proper man must be willing. Say, no one ever hated his own flesh. You nourish it. Just as Christ does the church, so you must do as well. I want to conclude this by saying that in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, this is some of the verses we'll be reading in the course of the week. Verse 9, it said, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Friends, I want you to understand this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. God's idea of marriage is that it should be better. Don't let the devil tell you anything else. Don't say my life was better when I was single. I don't know what this marriage is all about. Mm -mm. You have not engaged the wisdom of God to understand. Now, I know that there are people who are not married and they have advanced 
and they're living their single life, and believe you me, the grace to live that life will be sufficient and you will enjoy it. If that's the way God has ordained, there is nothing wrong with you. You are not a problem. That is why you did not marry. God himself knows what it is that your life should accomplish in that your singleness, either as a woman or as a man. He knows. He knows. Trust him to continue to fulfill destiny. Don't feel that married people are better than you. Live your life in fulfillment of everything God has in store for you. And God will keep perfecting it in Jesus' name. But if you are married, I want you to know that your marriage is not a mistake. Your marriage is not a mistake. You just need the manual of heaven. You need the manual of the one who created and instituted this, uh, this institution called marriage to help you. You need him to guide you. You need him to tell you how to love your wives indeed as Christ loved the church. You need him to tell you how to submit. Don't punish each other with the things. Don't deny your wife good things, money, and physical pleasure, or vice versa, the woman to the man. Don't do those things in the name of wanting to get back. What you need to do is have a conversation every time. Learn to love. Learn to submit. Learn to appreciate each other. And having said all this, Hebrews 13, 4 said, the marriage continues to remain honorable, honorable, as long as the marriage bed is undefiled. Don't ever be tempted or lured into adulterous acts. They are seeking to rob you of your destiny. Some of those people that you smile to outside your, that is opposite sex now, or people you are attracted to because we are living in a very complex world now, whoever they are, that you are attracted to sexually, that you smile to, and you keep having a pool outside your marriage. They are traps of the enemy to get you down. Everything that God has put in your spouse is sufficient for you. I say it's sufficient for you in the name of Jesus. I used to tease like this many years ago, and I don't even know when last I remembered teasing like that, that if I go to a function with my wife and uh, somebody that is uh, maybe a lady and I'm just trying to know them, how are you, what are you doing here, or blah, 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 and they're kind of like giving you the, who is this person, you know, like they're thinking you're coming on to them, that kind of thing. You know, what I used to do, I'll go and look for my wife wherever she is. I'll go and carry her and bring her to them. (laughs) I say, now this is my wife, compare yourself to her and then, okay, let's continue talking. (laughs) You think everybody who talks to you is looking for something? But the reality is that be grateful to God for your spouse. You have the best husband that you can have. You have the best wife that you can have. Don't say, Pastor Dave, don't say that. You don't know my wife. You don't know my... uh -uh. You have the best person that you can have. God is not the author of confusion. Go before him. Now, of course, if you need counseling, if there are issues that really need counseling, that's a different matter. It can be talked about. But other than that, stay under God. There's a power in spousal relationships that even God himself has sanctioned. And I know that God will be perfecting all that concerns you in the name of Jesus. Keep on loving. Keep on submitting. Keep on enjoying. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. He's worthy. Well,